Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. We're going to talk about the church specifically. What is this church, this ecclesia? They had uh, uh, a Greek word that they translated into the word church. Obviously, all the Bible, almost all every word in the Bible is translated from one language or another. It appears that Matthew wrote in Aramaic and then was translated into Greek. The other Gospels, probably Mark, was written originally in Greek. It's difficult to tell. There's uh, very few scripts that, uh, or even fragments of that, have survived from that early age. So we are dependent upon manuscripts that are 100 years, 200, 300 years old in order to come up with what we have today as a Bible. And there's a great deal of conflicting information out there. There are different manuscripts that are quite different. And eventually we settle on certain ones and they have produced the King James Version, the NIV Version, etc., etc. All this filtered down through translators. You go to the Old Testament, of course you're not going to find words like Ecclesia, you're going to find Hiada and and other Hebrew words that have to do with congregation or gathering. You're going to find reference to Levites who actually belong to God, where literally, if we translated it into a more modern term like bondservant, that's what they were, the bondservants of God. And, of course, the apostles were were referred to as bondservants. But they came to set other people free, and, of course, that's what the Levites did when they went in and out the gates. They were to set the people free. They had a particular role in society, and they were the church in the wilderness. They called out in the wilderness. Israel was not called out. It was kicked out. uh, When Moses came to Israel, or to Egypt, uh, to the people of Israel, he said, let my people go. Theoretically, uh, if you understand the Egyptian government and how it operated, it's a dynastic. Uh, uh, play of who is who. Uh, uh, the pharaoh, the rightful pharaoh, would have been Moses, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and the only heir to the throne. Uh, there's a great deal of controversy as to who is who, and you know some people say, oh, well, there never was any historical Moses. Well, there was a historical Moses. Uh, there were actually quite a few historical Moseses. They were Tutankhamun Moses, and uh, Tutankhamun Moses the Third was the Moses uh, was the Pharaoh that Moses had to deal with, and uh, that's my opinion. But it's based on an awful lot of archaeological discoveries, and uh, many archaeologists believe that that's actually the case. That was the adopted son of Hatshepsut, uh, who was the uh, actual Moses. And, of course, he might be called Moses for a number of reasons. We know it had to do because he was drawn from the water, according to what they had called the Pharaoh before, which was Tutankhamun Moses. So he should have been Tutankhamun Moses III, but another uh, illegitimate son uh, of a commoner uh, produced by a uh, second husband after uh, Hatshepsut's first husband died, Without, bear, without her bearing a child, uh, she married this other guy who went off and messed around with a commoner, a concubine, and produced a child who eventually was put on the throne by men who were seeking power and wanted to use him as their uh, power uh, guy, the go-to guy. And he was very powerful. He conquered more areas than any other Egyptian pharaoh, but he also ran the government into tremendous debt and put tremendous burdens upon the people. And uh, But there was uh, this other uh, sentiment who was this adopted son, and uh, he was extremely capable. He had education uh, in all the schools of Egypt, which is really rare. Uh, he disappeared for a long period of time. Uh, he had built uh, the Temple at Karnak because um, he was also an engineer, besides being a general, besides being the favorite uh, and only ch- 
That's that's it. But anyway, uh, he uh, disappeared, and then he eventually came back. There was some sort of conflict. Uh, Moses went around, smashed all the uh, statues of uh, Absetsut, who was his, I don't know if you would call it a stepmother. I mean, he was basically an illegitimate child. But it's huge amounts of things going on. Um, millions of people, evidently, uh, left when Moses left. They were extremely well organized by that time because they'd gone through some very, very hard times economically. They'd been plagues and everything else. So, But that those plagues played an important part in bringing people together, and they will play an important part in bringing people together again today. We see them on the horizon. We see uh, the modern-day Tutan Moses having wars all over the place, bankrupting the, the country, um, we have the the same problem with social welfare becoming uh, uh, too excessive and the people becoming weak and dependent upon government and therefore losing their rights because they have neglected their responsibilities in the community. And Moses came along and was trying to get the people back to these concepts of community. He had seen them out in the desert amongst Jethro and other people. They understood. The poor understand better. I was in contact with... Uh, uh, Howard in Africa, I don't know if he's listening, but uh, uh, sometimes I wonder if they don't have a better vision in these poor countries of the kingdom than many of the people do in the more theoretically affluent countries like America. Uh, America's not really affluent. It's, it's dependent entirely upon debt in order to sustain its standard of living, and that, of course, will uh, bring about a terrible price to pay in the future. But what we see uh, is that uh, this huge volume of people left and were working together in some sort of fashion with some sort of government, some sort of, you know, I mean, you couldn't even address all those people at once. Uh, you had to have some system of communication through the community in order to get information from one end to the other. Okay, you know, we're crossing the Red Sea, everybody started walking. Uh, they can't hear you in the back row, so you have to have some way. They weren't just a giant mob edging their way across the desert. They had uh, livestock. They had to find graze. Uh, everybody talks they just ate manna every day. Well, we draw these pictures. Yes, they had their manna uh, that sustained them. Uh, but the language of the Hebrew was very metaphoric, so they had manna, but that manna also became a symbol of anything that helped sustain them. And so they were sustained through the desert. Their livestock wasn't eating manna. It had to find grass. They had to move around. They weren't all marching in single file, yet they had to be organized or they'd be overcome by Amalekites, Amalaks, and the difficulties of crossing the gigantic desert. So we have to be careful that we don't imagine that Cecil B. DeMille got it right. Uh, he was making a movie. He wasn't actually there. So what were they doing? Uh, one of the things they did was form a golden calf, a central bank. All the city-states had these kinds of central bank statues that were in their midst. Athens had it. They referred to it as the reserve fund. It was a way in which to guarantee the loyalty of the people. You take their gold, you put all their gold in this huge statue. Everybody can see it. You can't rob it without somebody noticing there's an arm and a leg missing. And so, therefore, uh, it's very easy to guard and protect, and it's a symbol of the wealth, so people will trade with you. You have to have some other uh, trade commodity, but fortunately, Aaron knew the arts of the temple which included the production of artificial currency. Same thing was going on in Ephesus at the time of Christ. Same thing uh, went on in many of the city-states. Uh, some were more adamant about receiving gold and silver coin, but others actually had, like Egypt did, these uh, artificial scripts, which was uh, made from clay. And uh, this was bad that they created this golden calf because it centralized wealth, you centralized wealth, you centralized power. Over and over again you see in the Old Testament where they did not want to centralize power. They did not want to have a king. They didn't want to have a standing army. 
They didn't want to have the ability of the government to tax the people. Yet, taxes needed to be paid. They were paid in the form of tithing. It was a different kind of government based on faith, hope, and charity, love for one another, a sense of justice, paying attention to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith, which is exactly what Christ was doing. Moses and Christ were in agreement. They were organizing the same type of government. The problem is our view of what the Levites were doing. You see, the Levites came out when Moses said, come out of that walled-in camp with a golden calf. And they were sent back in to the door by the authority of Moses with their swords at their side, but not hacking and whacking people. They didn't invade. But they brought in another concept which Moses instructed them about. This is what the uh, ministers of the church were also instructed about, the mysteries of the kingdom. Christ talked a great deal in metaphor and parable, uh, but he was specifically instructing the ministers of the kingdom, and they were to follow a certain pattern of status to, so that they could maintain an entrance to that kingdom so that no matter what government you were in, you could actually move from that government through the gate, not slipping over the wall like a lot of guys want to do. They just want to throw away their ID, rescind their documents, and take off. Nowhere does Christ say to do that. Nowhere does Moses say to do that. They didn't run off across the desert one at a time. They didn't walk the plank. They weren't just a mutual club of, you know, I'll pat you on the back if you pat me on the back. You know, if you say good things about me, I'll say good things about you. Club. They were actually a government. In order to be such a government based on liberty, you had to have personal discipline. You had to have agreements about the way in which you would do something. You know, we all drive on the right side of the road, unless you're in England. Everybody drives on the left side of the road. That's an agreement. Now, of course, they get you to sign contracts where they can fine you and ticket you and put you in jail if you don't do things right. But if they didn't create that system, you would be dependent upon personal discipline to say, you know, everybody's doing this. I'm not going to be such a rebel and do it just the opposite. And so that's what we've done. We haven't made a government that can force you to contribute. We haven't made a government that will kick in your door. We haven't made a government that will uh, penalize or uh, punish you if you do not cooperate. But if you do not cooperate with the basic concepts, we can't have anything to do with you because you're just a loose cannon. You're just a renegade. You're just a rebel, and you don't want to have anything to do with anybody who might suggest, hey, let's drive on the right side of the road. You know, I often drive down these desert roads out in the middle. I don't drive way over on the side. I never know when a deer is going to jump out across the road. Uh, and it, But I also watch, and if somebody comes, I get over in my side. Uh, not very often somebody comes because we live in a very isolated area. But the point is, is I know what side to go over to, and I do that as a matter of common sense and common courtesy. Now, what we've created is guidelines for his church, an altar and auxiliary of the church. So these guidelines that we created, that you can find in the Free Church Report, you can find them online, are talking about these basic concepts and principles in modern terms, these principles by which Moses set up the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and the altars of clay, the altars of stone. And we talk about this in the Sacrifice of Sophistry, uh, Artifice in Language Land, which is a pamphlet and hopefully will soon be a book if people quit distracting me from my work. <laughs> uh, it's coming along rather well, and it's amazing the more I delve into the writings of the time of Christ, exactly how these local societies and early Christian societies were organized. They were extremely well organized. They had rules and disciplines that they wrote out. They didn't beat you up if you didn't follow the rules and disciplines. They were just simply rules and disciplines that say, oh, we're going to drive on the right side of the road. We're going to do things this way so that everybody knows how to act and how to march in a straight line. But if you step out of line, that's fine. But if you step out of line and never come back in line, that's fine too, but you're not a part of what they're doing. You're doing your own thing. 
Now, the early church had this same problem where some people wanted to do things in the name of Christ, but they did not want to do it with the apostles. They didn't want to form the tens, hundreds, and thousands of the apostles. They just wanted to go do their own thing. Jesus said, go. You know, let them go do their own thing. But that, let's not pretend that they're not just going to do their own thing. And, and the fact is, is they were outside of the Christian community. But they were just, they were just different people. They were, that was okay. We, we don't treat the stranger any different than we treat those that were within the Christian community. But we don't share everything with the stranger exactly the same way as we share with a red heifer, our foreign aid, outside of our community, help our neighbors. But within the community, we have an actual responsibility and duty. It's a government. There's taxes. And they come in the form of what you could call tithing, but the point is, is we take care of the needy of our society through free will offering. You have to do that if you want a free government. If you want to get married, you have to ask your parents. Honor your father and your mother. And when you get married, you have to support your mother and father. You can't go depending on Social Security. Now, you may be depending on that now, and I understand that. So there's a transition. So I'm not forcing anybody to get rid of their Social Security number. I'm saying seek the kingdom. If you're in the system, pay the tax. That's the unrighteous mammon. And you have to be friends with it so that you'll be fit for more righteous habitation. No one is setting the table of the Lord. So there is no other table to live at. A lot of people want to just get out of the system. But Jesus tells us to count the cost. We have to see how this is going to work. It's going to take faith in the long run, but you don't start out with a stupid move. You don't start out with a resentful move. Oh, I hate that system, so I'm leaving. You have to leave because you love the system of God, and that's what we're talking about. So we have these guidelines, but these are just on pieces of paper, but they're pointing to precepts and principles. His church and sacred purpose trust is an irrevocable ministerial charitable altar of Christ. Now that's irrevocable. Now we can actually set it up so that you're under a commission. The commission is not necessarily irrevocable. That's why it's for a period of time. It's like entering a novitiate in, in uh, other churches. You're studying. You're deciding whether or not you want to go this way. So that is revocable. That's why it's put in the commission and sacred purpose trust. That's irrevocable. And we have to understand how that works. So it's two things. Any his church of record fits within these guidelines. The grantors of this sacred trust are the people who grant tangible or integrity to his church for the conversion of its use to Jesus the Christ, his kingdom, and his servant. Now, we'll get into it more later. Uh, I've actually forgot to push one of my buttons here, so I'm not sure how much time we have before the, <laughs> the break. Um, but uh, all donations to his church are given to individual ministers. There is one church. There are many stones that build it. And the ministers are those living stones, those living white stones. Who are they? You have to tell me. By your contribution, you bear witness that they exist. By your testimony, you bear witness that they are that minister. If you change your mind, then maybe they're not that minister. Your determination is their witness to the world. You write their letter of determination, not the IRS, the people. That is your, your uh, letter of determination. We have a form acceptance and recognition form that does just that. But that paperwork is to be a witness to the rest of the world that you believe this man is a minister. The ministers of the trust of his church are nominated by the representative members of the congregation. 
of the people and appointed by the protectors of the church. And, and we mentioned a forum there. So who are these people appointing? Well, this is what you see all the time in the early church, that they're appointing elders. Well, the elders are elected by the local community. They say, we want this guy. Look out amongst yourselves, pick men you trust, and we will appoint them over this matter. Now, this, if you go back to the Old Testament, that's exactly what they were doing then. People chose the men they trusted, and we appoint. Now, we don't have the power to appoint unless you choose. We may choose not to appoint those that you elect because of some reason, some breach of precept of Christ. But that's our choice. But now you have two different witnesses. Who are these other ministers who appoint as those that you elect? A lot of people don't want to do that because they're used to the Protestant religion. They're very protestant. But the reality is, once we get into this farther, and we won't get into it all on this show, you'll start to realize that it's very important that you have a body that is separate this Levite body that conforms to what Christ said they needed to do, which conformed to what Moses said they needed to do, which was exactly the same thing. When you don't depend on Pharisees to, do, to interpret the Old Testament for you, Pharisees got it all mixed up. There were groups at the time of Christ that figured it out, reading the exact same Torah, reading the exact same Hebrew, they figured out what Moses was doing, and they recognized Christ. And they became the groups connected to groups through a network of congregations. And it was a good thing they did because there was about to become a huge problem with famine and uh, military invasion and economic breakdown and everything else and they needed that network in order to survive as a people and because they survived as a people there was a great deal of jealousy from the local community which brought about persecution of the early christians and the early christians were just singing and, and uh, doing superstitious rituals in their little uh, meeting halls nobody could care less So, anyway, we need to understand how that early church was operating and why. You get down to item four. The protector of the sacred purpose trusts are recognized by the grantors of the trust and accepted by the elected minister as anointed ministers of his holy church. His holy church is not an organization that I have started. His holy church is his holy church. It's a phrase. Explain how Christ's church works and how we should conform to it. Pledge allegiance to the King of Kings, and to his kingdom come, on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation, and our heavenly Father, grace, mercy, justice for all. Gold and silver is tremendously undervalued. Global demand vastly exceeds supply by more than 60 annually. There is little in the financial world more certain than a coming explosion in the prices of gold and silver. The U.S. dollar continues to lose value and respect as the world's reserve currency. Our nation faces challenges on many fronts and a day doesn't pass without another economist bringing forth warnings of impending economic calamity. There has never been a better time than right now to acquire physical gold and silver. Discount Gold and Silver Trading was founded on the principles of truth and honesty. We believe in providing a quality product, quality service, and most importantly, competitive pricing. We provide all forms of precious metals, including American gold, silver, platinum, and rare investment and circulated coins. Silver bars, rounds, and 90% silver bags are on hand for the silver investor. Gold self-directed IRAs are available. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, that's 1-800-375-4188. Now listen to me. 
The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at FirstAmendmentRadio.com for only $45 a month. And you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all of our programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you may request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $25. Or any single program on tape, MP3 CD, or CD for only $15. You may do all of this online at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. You may also adopt an hour of your favorite program, Please don't forget that most on FirstAmendmentRadio.com are listeners of three and will be honored to help you. Well, we're talking here at Keys of the Kingdom. After the show, uh, we'll have a conference call, uh, our standard conference call um, on TalkShoe. Everybody who's a part of the network gets to participate in that. They've already been re- received the call-in numbers. Uh, we'll also be on a show later on this uh, week, uh, uh, well, actually on Sunday, which has been announced through the network news, uh, through the Kingdom Newsletter. And uh, we're having meetings uh, later on today with a group that's come down from Portland and uh, wanting to form a His Church congregation. I may hear the number of people who do not understand how these congregations work, and that's what we're talking about why we organize them in the particular way that we've done. Why have I published this material in the particular way that it appears? It is because I believe that it's exactly what the early church was doing. These precept upon precepts handed down from the beginning, from Abraham to Moses, in order to form a free society. Now, the paperwork does not form the free society, but it does mark the corners of that society. And this paperwork talks about the precepts required in order to form that that society, that free society. It also requires an extreme amount of humility, patience, and virtue to put up with all the Egyptian philosophies that are going to be following the people who think they are going to be free. One of the first things you see is that people want to start to gain control over the congregation. The minister doesn't have control over anybody in the congregation. And the congregation doesn't have any control over the minister. If you form a commission or a board, the board has no control over the individual trustee. All contributions are given to a single individual. There is no incorporation by man in any shape or form, either by association or documentation, of the power of choice over what has been put in his authority. Now, an overseer can relieve a trustee, especially a commission trustee, uh, of his position, but only on grounds that are very clearly uh, defined in the uh, administrative guidelines, or actually their administrative guidelines. Now, we've taken this uh, to top attorneys in the United States, and along with all kinds of other church documentation, and said, hey, does this work? I'm, I'm talking guys who go in front of the Supreme Court on a regular basis, guys who are dean of law, uh, former dean of law of Liberty University, founding dean of law at Liberty University. 
They suggested that we do a number of things, and we have attended to that. But the guidelines, they didn't touch. There was only one thing in the administrative guidelines that they wanted to put in there is that there is no excuse for not keeping records. And I said, no, I can't, I can't put that in there. There might be an excuse. You know, I, I don't know if there's no excuse for not keeping records. Maybe you were keeping records and the place burned down. Uh, so there could be an excuse, but not wanting to keep records is not a good excuse. <laughs> that would not fit. And people have to understand that, and that's for his church or for a sacred purpose trust. Administrative guidelines are for both. So it's very important that they keep records. And the, and the reason why, and I analogize this with, uh, if you go camping in grizzly bear country, you will not find a rule anywhere, a law anywhere, that you cannot bring meat into the tent at night when you go to sleep. Bringing raw meat in the tent at night, there is probably no law. Thou shall not bring meat into the tent at night. But it's kind of understood that there's really a sin to bring meat into the tent at night in grizzly bear country. And there are actually people who want to do that. Well, nobody can tell me what to do. Uh, nobody, I don't have to listen to anybody, but the fact is, is that's foolish. I mean, you, you want to go jogging at night along a busy highway right on the curb, wearing black pants, black shoes, and black shirt, and black hooded sweatshirt. You can do that. You're absolutely free to do that. I think it's a really stupid idea. But you can demand your right to wear all black when you run along the side of the dark road in the middle of the night <laughs> jogging on the curb. Or maybe you want to even run right out in the middle of the road. You can certainly do that. I think it's really a dumb idea, but, you know, people can have dumb ideas. So anyway, we have we've gone through item four, item five. The beneficiaries of his church and sacred purpose trust is Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. Everything you give goes to Jesus Christ? Absolutely. A.K.A. you should highest son of David, son of man, king of uh, God, the father, kingdom on earth. That's what Jesus is. As my father has appointed to me, a kingdom on earth, as it is in heaven. High priest of the most high God, according to the order of Melchizedek, prince of peace, etc., etc., that's who your contribution goes to. And you give it to the minister because Jesus isn't standing there. And that minister takes that contribution and uses it according to what he believes God wants him to do with it. You watch him, though. If you think he's not using it that way, don't give to him anymore. But when you give it to him, you have given it up entirely. He must have total authority over it. Otherwise, it's not a burnt offering. If you want to tie strings onto it, then that's what we call bait. So you can't, you have to give it up entirely and you have to watch doing a good job and develop the system of trust that will make the kingdom work. All contributions are given to a single man, a minister you, you believe is doing the work of God. Now, you can give to several different ministers, but you want to give him $5, you want to give him $10, you want to give him $20. You can't say, here's, you know, uh, uh, $35, you guys sort it out between you. No, it doesn't work that way. It has to be given to a single individual because he's a stone of the altar. And you can't hew him, you can't regulate how he uses it. His Holy Church has been appointed by the beneficiary uh, to minister to his faithful, those who wish to return to the Lord in his kingdom on earth. Therefore, at his, as his subjects and ministers, they represent the beneficiary in service. So the people are representative beneficiaries. Why? Because Jesus said, feed my sheep. Whose hay is it we feed the sheep with? Well, it's the hay given to Christ. It's his hay. And he's going to go out and give it to his sheep by way of his ministers. 
So, yeah, your contribution belongs to Christ, and what you receive from your minister in return is a gift from Christ, not from that minister. That's very important. Otherwise, the world, if if you have any opening, the world will come in and say, we get to regulate that. There was an interesting uh, law that they tried to pass in Connecticut where they were going to make, uh, I think it was the Roman Catholic Church, I think it may have had to do with all churches, that if you gave a contribution, they, you had to create a board uh, that consisted of at least part of the congregation. Now, they're actually passing a statute in Connecticut to make this regulating the church had to form a board in which they could regulate the contribution or the use of the contribution. Well, of course, the Roman church was livid about that idea. Now, there are probably Protestant churches that will go along with that. But what would Christ's church say? Well, if you can still regulate the contribution, you haven't given it up entirely. You can't do that. From Moses, to, from Abraham, it was a burnt offering. You had to give it up entirely. You couldn't regulate it. Why? Because if you can regulate it, and you have a nexus to the world, then the world can come in and enforce your regulation. Now the church is subservient to the world, to the state, because you're now, you have become an unincorporated association, or maybe you're an incorporated association. You can't do that. If you create a board to help manage the uh, uh, like a, co a commission that board is an advisory board now we have made reference to a board because we usually try to have two ministers who can handle funds the second minister is there in case the first minister is incapacitated or incapable of doing his job for you know he's out of town or something and we need an emergency guy to back him up but it is the first minister who has total decisionary uh, ability over the corpus of whatever has been put in charge, which would be, you know, that's why there's a sacred purpose charge of certain things. The minister's in charge of certain things, too. But they're both ministers, but one ministers maybe a trust, a bank account, and the other one ministers the congregation or ministers to land that's been put in his charge. But in all cases, they must keep records. If they don't, then they're a secret organization, I guess, under themselves. <laughs> there's nothing for the overseer to see. There's nothing for the people to examine. Is he doing any good? We don't know. He's keeping everything secret because he doesn't want to keep records. Absolutely unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. Now, if he doesn't want to keep records, he can go off and be his church, his own personal church. Uh, he doesn't have to. Now, that's the way I see it. Uh, if somebody sees it different, they can go do something different. But that's the way we see it here. Now, there are some people here who don't see it that way. And that's their choice. But they're not doing what we're doing and they're perfectly willing to do what we're not doing but we're not going to do what we're not going to do with them <laughs> we're going to have to go separate because they don't want to they have no they don't agree with what we put forward and they don't agree what they put forward because they were a part of this so we have to separate uh, because you know, people are doing do different things. You can't have two steering wheels in the same car. You, you steer the right wheel, I'll steer the left wheel. Unless you got cooperation. Now, you probably could do that if you got guys that are really well coordinated. So anyway, uh, get down to number seven. His Holy Church may receive, consecrate, and equitably reconvert property on behalf of the beneficiary which is Christ, to the exclusive use and sanctification, separation, of 
the of the beneficiary as his holy church belongs to the beneficiary and they hold all things in common. Now, what did I just say? Now, I mean, uh, people can't follow and they juggle all these ideas. This is very condensed down. Christ says to be in the world but not of the world. He's talking to his apostles. When he's talking about owning all things in common, he's talking to the ministers who have had to sell everything they have and own everything in common. They weren't going around just in their BBDs. They, the church owned property way back in uh, the first century. They didn't sell all their property. They sold what they needed and owned all things in common. Just like the Levites owned all things in common. They were completely separated out from the world, no personal estate, because they were bond servants of God. They were slaves of God. They, that's very important when you confront another government. They're going to say, well, what government are you a part of? God's government. Only God's government. We're ministers of God's government. We're servants. We have no personal estate. Everything we're holding, we hold for God. If you take from us, you take from God. Now, why did God do that? It's very important. These are the altars of stone. These are the called out, the separated, the church in the wilderness. And they're there to say that, okay, you can go and eat at the table of the ministers of the world or ad ministers of the world who exercise authority one over the other if you need help, benefits, etc., or you can eat at Christ's table that is based on faith, open charity. You eat at Christ's table of faith, open charity, you don't need to go to those other governments, and therefore you can remain free. Now, once you understand this and put this into working operation, you can actually move into another government and start taking over. You don't take over that government, but you can take over that reality that, uh, you know, you can actually invade without violent military action, which is actually the way Israel moved into Canaan. When Israel first went into the desert, Canaan was still under Egyptian jurisdiction. So was all of Sinai. But there was no persona jurisdiction over the Israelites. They could get no benefits from uh, or aid from any of the military outposts of the Egyptians. They were on their own. They did a pretty good job. No matter where you were, if you attacked an Israelite, boom, another Israelite showed up. You couldn't rob an Israelite and get away with it. Because they'd find you. Because they cared about their brother as much as they cared about their own stuff. they do it justly. Or at least supposedly. Of course, I'm sure there were atrocities and there were terrible things, but they were they could not abuse the stranger in their midst. So it wasn't very long that people said, you know, these Israelites, having Israelites as your neighbor is better than having a cop on the beat. Because I'm safer with an Israelite neighbor than I am with anybody else. Because these guys, they live, drink, eat, and breathe justice. Law is important to them. No stealing, no coveting, being generous. Give water to your enemy to drink. Love your enemy, as Christ said. I mean, Moses was saying the same thing. They were walking pillars of justice and righteousness. They were honorable. And we should all strive to be that honorable. Unfortunately, uh, there are some people who can't quite understand this idea of freedom. They want freedom for themselves, but they want control over others. You have to want freedom for others as much as you want it for yourself. Therefore, if you're... Well, I won't go into that right now. Let's go on to number eight. His church and sacred purpose trust. So both his church congregation and sacred purpose trust is established at the moment that property tangible or intangible is granted to the holding possession of the ministers of trust accepting that the mere promise or pledge or payment is not considered property and cannot by itself form a trust corpus in other words we don't recommend you use federal reserve notes to start a his church trust. Give them something of substance, something of present value. 
not a promise or no we somebody suggested on one of the talk shows uh conference calls that uh, people pledge a certain amount of money to support this ministry and i i immediately said no 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 no, no, no. we don't want pledges you either do or not do you know that's what yoda says either do or not do um that's the way it's in the moment in the moment you must decide based on what god is telling you in your heart what to give and what not to give to whether to us or your local congregation or to anybody because the kingdom is only in the moment and so therefore what you give should be given of substance now later on you can give them federal reserve notes but to get started think of it as something substance the purpose of his church and sacred purpose trust is to receive the contributions of the congregation and the people from whatever source and to convert their use to the beneficiary who is christ and his servants in the performance described by the father and beneficiary in other words christ the ministers of his holy church may bring to the attention of the ministers uh, and the congregation the needs of his holy church but the congregation has original determination of charitable contributions and the ministers of trust has the full discretion in the final distribution of funds received by his church altar now that's very important to understand if you Again, that's just going back to what we just said earlier, is that each minister receives that contribution and has total discretion over it. There is no division of that discretion by a corporate body, board, or any other group. It's about empowering the individual. If the church is not based on empowering the individual, then it must be based on something contrary to empowering the empowering the individual therefore it is not moving towards liberty is moving away from it so you must give your ministers the liberty of choice so that he may guarantee your liberty of choice the ministers of a trust may choose to reject a contribution for reasons including but not limited to the property is more of a liability than a value the ministers of a trust is not capable of managing the property the intent of the grantor is not sincere charity but ulterior such as a bribe to deprive others of rightful benefit to gain or influence etc you know we recently uh, posted to the network uh, some of you have gotten if you haven't received the post on logos you better talk to your contact ministers because they're not passing on things to you that they should be passing on to you there was logos is the greek word for word and we see in the beginning there was the word and the word was made flesh and then dwelt among us and that's logos well logos is also a greek word that describes a document that was given to people who sought sanctuary in the church oh we got a call somebody calling in the church i'm going to answer that call Hello. Hi there. How, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? <laughs> Fine. Who's this? Oh, is this Brother Gregory? Yes, it is. Oh, this is Jack from uh, McAllen, Texas, down there on the Mexican border. Oh, Jack. Servant Jack. Uh, I uh, was trying to call the ID, and the ID wasn't working. Finally, I said, let me try this other thing. Hey, you're, you're an hour early for the ID program. That's that's after this show. Oh, uh, Okay. This show ends in a minute, doesn't it? Uh, pretty soon, I think. Uh, you're one hour on this show? One hour on this show, and then I go to the other one. <laughs> so. Okay, well, I appreciate uh, what you're talking about here. It makes a lot of sense. And, you know, there there are Jews, you know, like, uh, I've, I've, I've uh, you know, Jewish communities. Right. Uh, on the East Coast, where <clears throat> the, um, if, like, say, for instance, a policeman shows up at, at the house of a Jewish person, Within a couple of minutes, there are several other Jews from other uh, other houses who come by, you know, neighbors. Right. And they and, and, and they call other Jewish people, and they come by. Before two weeks, there's a huge crowd. Right. <laughs> and, and a well-organized crowd is very important. Uh, yeah, 
And a well-behaved crowd. And a well-behaved crowd. Black Muslims uh, figured that out. I don't know why the rest of us Christians can't figure it out. But, uh, you know, I, I give the analogy of the sheep. When the coyote comes in the field, our sheep out here in the desert, they all come together. And they all face outward, face danger. And the coyote looks at that and he says, Jesus, I don't know if I want to face something with 400 eyes. And they back off. Yeah. It looks to me like um, the uh, we may need to gather together uh, very soon here, uh, here in the States. Uh, I have a feeling that the economic system uh, is going to uh, collapse. Uh, how, how badly that collapse is, I don't know. You might have some ideas. Now, we're, I'm thinking in terms of the Depression. I think it may be uh, more extreme than what our, uh, our parents experienced in the Depression. Well, I would suspect that that are possible are amazing. I think I just uh, we're going to run out of time here okay, real quick. I'll but you in a minute. Uh, yeah, I'll be over. It'll give me a couple minutes to get over to the other. <laughs> God bless. Uh, we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, we only got to number ten. There's twenty in the guidelines, and then we get to start the administrative guidelines. So join us next week on Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, we'll see what we can do about clearing up this confusion about what the church is. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.